Praise the Lord. You know, we've been on the topic of the promise of the Holy Spirit. The promise of the Holy Spirit. If you read through, uh, of course, several places, uh, the, the Holy Spirit is referenced or, or the apostles, Jesus himself, they would reference and call the Holy Spirit the promise or the promise of the Father. And in, in Acts chapter 1 and verse uh, chapter 1 and chapter 2, in several verses, we see that mention that the promise of the Holy Spirit was coming. You know, I believe, and I, I've tried to say this as many different ways as I can, and I want to try one more way today to encourage you and build your faith before I get into what I want to teach on today. I'm going to do a little preaching here at the beginning, and then I want to do some teaching. Because I think it's important that we're also, that we have a, a, a taught understanding. And, and that's one of the, the giftings, I believe, on my life as is, is a teacher, uh, which is pretty interesting because I used, to, I used to make the claim that I wasn't a good teacher, especially in, in like media and technology and stuff like that, because uh, that's what I do. That's kind of my, my, my uh, another gifting that I have in my life. That's what, how I started in the ministry was in video editing and graphic design. And I'd always say, well, I know how to do it, but it, man, I, it's impossible for me to teach. Well, what it was is I was being cocky because I was saying, I'm just so good at what I do. It's just hard for me to teach somebody else. But then what I realized is if I keep that attitude, I'm going to be the only one doing it. And in ministry, you need other people to do it with you. And so I learned that it's not about, you know, uh, um, the attitude or the, uh, the, the uh, uh, aptitude of, of someone else, but their attitude. If someone was willing to learn, uh, I heard... Uh, 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 leadership guy say one time, you know, if someone can do something 75% as good as you, give it to them and let them do it because it'll open you up to do other things. And then another guy said, well, if they can do it 50% as good of you, as good as you with momentum, meaning they're heading towards doing it better and better, delegate it. And, I, and, and God showed me all these things. Well, you know what? I learned through the years that I, I need to be a better teacher. And so I want to teach, teach a little bit today. But before I get to that, you know, the Holy Spirit was given for several reasons to the church and to us as believers. If you don't, you know, if all you have from God is salvation, that prepares you for heaven. That's the best thing Jesus, I mean, when Jesus came, I mean, the Bible tells us in John chapter 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. If you have that today, you should be shouting from the rooftops. You should be as excited. You should never have a down day, a depressed day, a, a, a sad day. In the book of Acts, which I've been reading like crazy right now, you, if you read through that, it'll say, it says several times where people got saved and God came in and touched a city or touched an area. It'll say things like, and the whole city was filled with joy. And, and as I even just begin, I try, I'm trying to talk calm, but it's hard for me because I'm excited. 
And something comes up on the inside of me when I talk about, man, God loved me so much. He knew that I was a mess in college. He knew that I was making all those mistakes I just mentioned. And yet he said, I'm going to give you a way out. I'm going to give you a way to eternity. I'm going to give you a way to make you new on the inside so that my Holy Spirit can come in and fill you up and help you in this life. And you'll have eternal life. John 10, 10 says the devil came to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you life and life more abundantly. God cares about your life on this earth. He cares so much about your life on this earth that he wanted to give you a gift to help you, a promise to help you, and that's the Holy Spirit. And so if you don't, you know, have a, if your relationship with God stops at salvation, you're limited and I'm not trying to, I, I want to take the positive angle today, but, but, but you have to understand that your, let me say it this way, your ability to fulfill God's call in your life on earth will be exponentially greater if you exercise and utilize the relationship of the Holy Spirit that God intended for you to have. Four or five people are excited about that. I thought I did pretty good explaining that. I thought I did pretty good. I got, I'm, I'm talking to the people who were clapping, you know. I just, I mean, I, I know I'm where I'm at today because of God leading me, guiding me, helping me. Man, I'm, I'm a better father today because the Holy Spirit's helped me be a better father. Because God's spoken to me. He's led me. He's guided me. He's encouraged me. He's, he's, you know what? You need to do this. You need to stop doing that. I'm a better husband. Anybody that's got a spouse in here, you're a better spouse if you allow the Holy Spirit to touch your marriage, to help you in your marriage. To, 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 cause see, you have to control your tongue. Oh, man, I'm going to meddling now. You, you have to control your tongue. But, but the thing is, the Holy Spirit will help you. Don't say that. Don't go down that road. Just leave her alone for a minute. Let her calm down. And then just chill. Chill. Sometimes the Holy Spirit, that's how, that's how I hear my spirit. Chill. Just chill out for a minute. You know, just, just what, what's happening on the inside? God's given me a relationship with God. And so my flesh wants to go in and say, oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? Really? Oh, let me tell you something. And just, let, and just you know, lay into it. Well, what good is that going to do? It's just going to fuel the fire and fuel the problem. But the Holy Spirit says no, you know, and it'll help me. I remember one time I, was, I felt like that. I was so mad. I was frustrated with my wife. This was in our first year of marriage. And we, see, we were honeymooning, you know, for, forever because we did the long distance dating thing. So when we got married, it was like, finally, we're together. Every day, every, it was beautiful, it was awesome. But towards the end of that year, you know, reality hit, you know what I mean? I mean, reality hit. And so I remember, I don't, even, I don't remember what we fought about, I don't remember. I don't remember what the fight was or what the problem was. But um, we used to rotate the staff in Florence and everybody would do lockup. And if you had lockup, you were the last one to leave and you went around the building. There were lots of doors, and there still is in the, in the building there in Florence, lots of doors. So my wife and I were both on staff. She left, she went home, we're mad, she's mad, I'm mad, everybody's mad. And I'm on lockup. And so I'm, I'm huffing and puffing around the building. And like, you have to check the doors from the outside, like, you know, you want to make sure they're, they're, they're not locked. And so you would, you would jiggle the door and put, kind of pull on it a little bit and make sure that it's locked. I was doing it as mad as I could. <laughs> Taking all my aggression out on those doors, I remember. 
And about the third or fourth door, I realized that as hard as I yank on these doors, as much as I kick on these doors, or I wasn't kicking them, but whatever, as much as I, I can mess up these doors, it's not going to fix the problem. And I paused on the side of the building in Family Worship Center in Florence, South Carolina, and said, God, will you show me what's wrong? Now, what I meant when I said it was what's wrong with her. <laughs> but what happened on the inside was the Lord reminded me of not the fight we just had, but something I did earlier that started the problem that I did. See, you control you. You can't control other people. You can't control your boss. You can't control your surroundings. You can't control the weather. You can't control the stock market. You, can, you sure can't control cryptocurrency. Man, that stuff is just plummeting like madness. You can't control anything around you. What you control is you and how you respond to it. And God gave us the Holy Spirit to help you, encourage you, strengthen you, to comfort you, to be a standby in times like that. And say, you need to go apologize. And I thought I will not. <laughs> but I did. And we're still married today. Amen. <laughs> no, it wasn't that kind of fight. It wasn't that bad. But it was one of those, you know, when you're, you're early on in marriage, man, it was like, <gasps> you know, but God help me. And several times after that, I can give you story after story. What am I trying to tell you today? That your relationship with God has to supersede, has to go past. Okay, so I got saved. I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I talked to you last week about how, how we had in the Old Testament, Christians, believers had, not Christians, in the Old Testament, they weren't Christians because Christ hadn't come. They were believers. In the Old Testament, we had God uh, with us, God for us. But as a New Testament believer, you have God in you. All right. So the first thing you have to realize is that God within you is the Holy Spirit. He lives in you. He makes his home in you. You open up your heart and God comes and lives in you. But I want to unpack today the fact that there are two different experiences between salvation and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because growing up, um, I, the church I was in was great. But it didn't teach us this. I didn't have an understanding of this. And so I told you I'm going to try to take off my preaching hat for a minute and put on my teaching hat. I want to give you three stories and three scriptures. And if I have time, a bonus one that will help you understand how after salvation, yes, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. He's come in. He's made your spirit new. And we talked about all those scriptures and all that, that last week. Go and listen to the promise part three, and you can get God for us, God with us, and God in us. All right? But the Bible tells us in several places God is within us, but he also comes upon us. In Acts chapter one, I read the whole thing last week, of, or excuse me, I read part of Acts chapter one, and then I read the whole beginning of Acts chapter two. I read a lot of scripture last week. And what happened? Several places it says the Holy Spirit filled the house and like uh, uh, um, um, tongues of fire sat upon them. Well, previously, we see that Jesus met with them and breathed on them and said, have the Holy Spirit. Or he says, excuse me, he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Well, at that moment, 
they, they actually, if you go through your reading, you study that they had gotten, that was when I believe, and many uh, uh, church historians, church, uh, you know, Bible theologians believe that they actually received salvation in that moment, meaning they had seen Jesus risen from the dead. They had seen him. They realized, okay, all right, this is the real Messiah. He bore our sins on the cross. He rose from the dead. He's alive. They believed on him, and he, and he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. At that moment, salvation. But then he told a big group of them, wait here for the Holy Spirit. Remember that from last week? What happened? They waited. The Holy Spirit came in and filled them. So beyond that story that I read last week, I want to give you three stories and three scriptures that show us, three distinct scriptures, three unique stories that show us that beyond salvation, there's a separate experience called the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Why do you need this? Because of everything I talked about just a few minutes ago. When I got all excited and jumped up and down, everybody was in here shouting and all that. Because when you're filled with the Spirit... There's an outflowing. There's an overflow. And I got into that when I was talking about how, what did Peter do? He went from being the guy who who was ashamed and and couldn't even talk about Jesus to the guy who had 3,000 people saved in a day. Because out of him came something that helped other people. When God fills you to the point of overflowing, it's not just so you can speak in tongues. There's a benefit to that. I also plan on teaching on that soon. Why do we pray in tongues? What's the point? What, what, is, what good does it do? But that's not my message for today. I want to talk about, it, before you can, see, some people are like, oh, I just want tongues. Well, no, what you want is the power of the Holy Spirit. Tongues is the evidence. That, that's how you know. I'll show it to you in a second. That's how you know you're filled with the Holy Spirit. But, but that's not, the, the point is not to just get tongues. That's what Simon the sorcerer wanted in the book of Acts. He wanted the the power. He was willing to pay for or buy the power. And the apostles rebuked him and said, no, you can't buy this. But what did he want? He wanted tongues. And they said, no, that's not how this works. This was the promise, what what the Father God had promised us. Now look first in Acts chapter 8. This is the first of the three stories. We're going to do the stories first, and then I'll end up with the scriptures. Three unique stories, three distinct uh, sets of scripture. Story number one, Acts chapter eight. We're going to look through several verses here. I am going to skip through them for the sake of time. So track with me and hopefully you guys can keep up on the screens. Uh, We're going to start in verse five. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed, and lame people were healed. And there was a great joy, there you see what I said earlier, there was a great joy in the city. Let's look at verse 12. But when they believed, everybody say believed. When they believed, Philip As he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Now stay there for a second. What happened? They believed. Philip preached. Philip was an evangelist. Philip went to this area. Philip preached the word of God. The Bible tells us that when we receive uh, uh, the word of God, believe in our heart, confess with our mouth, we are saved. 
Jesus said, uh, uh, you call on me, I'll come in and make my home in you. Right? What, what happened? They received the word of God. They believed Philip. He preached it. The name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Well, baptism there was a water baptism. We know that from the, 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 uh, uh, the Greek, the original words there that they used. They were baptized in the name of Jesus in water. Go to verse 14. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, notice how this is phrased. So back in Jerusalem, Philip's in Samaria, right? He went down to the city of Samaria. Back in the city of Jerusalem, the city of David, the apostles there heard, word got to them, hey, the people in Samaria, they received what? Not the Holy Spirit, they received the word of God. What does that mean? That was a phraseology for them to say they got saved. They had received the fact that Jesus was the Messiah, Jesus had come, Jesus had died, Jesus rose from the grave, and if you call on him, you accept him, you believe in him, you're saved. Everybody tracking with me? All right, so in verse 15, who, uh, no, no, go back to verse 14, I hadn't finished. When they heard that the people in Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. Now, Peter and John are not Philip. Philip is not Peter and John. Two different sets of people, two different uh, um, callings, as you see in a second, two different um, functions. So they received the word of God, baptized, saved. Now, here we go, we're going to now send Peter and John. Now, what are Peter and John going to do? Peter and John go, uh, who, when they had come down, they prayed for them. For who? For the people in Samaria. That they might receive the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? That they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. He had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then, notice what happened. What did Peter and John do? Then they, Peter and John, laid hands on them, the people of Samaria, and they received. Everybody say receive. They received the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to pause for a second and talk about the difference between receiving and, you know, a lot of times when people, when we talk about the Holy Spirit and receiving the Holy Spirit, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, um, there's a lot of misnomers, a lot of misteaching out there about that. And what happens is sometimes we'll get confused by phraseology. But I want to echo something that I heard many, many years ago that changed my life. When Jesus Christ died on the cross 2,000 years ago, at that moment, he said something so pivotal on the cross. At, right before he breathed his last, hanging there with nails in his hands, nails in his feet, side pierced, blood and water came out. All of that had happened. He said, it is, it is finished. It is finished. What was he? He could not have been talking about the new covenant being finished because he wasn't risen from the dead yet. I told you I'm teaching today. Don't let me get too deep, but track with me, y'all. Hear me. He, the new covenant, which is what we live in, it had not been ratified yet because he hadn't risen from the dead. So he couldn't have been talking about that. What was he talking about? The old covenant. What was the old covenant? That in order for you to, to have any, you know, 
interaction with the Holy Spirit, you had to come to Jerusalem, and that's where the Holy of Holies was, and that's where the Holy Spirit resided. That's where the presence of God was. And unless you were a king, a prophet, or specially anointed by God as a priest, you didn't, you didn't have this, the Spirit of God didn't come upon you. When he said it was finished, when he breathed his last, the, the, the veil that kept the Holy Spirit barred up, ripped from top to bottom, and the Holy Spirit came out. Why is this so pivotal? Because when Jesus said it is finished, he was saying that the days of you being an incomplete vessel, unable to hold the Holy Spirit, those days are finished. And the Holy Spirit's no longer held up. He'd already told them, guys, I got to go. I got to go. I'm going to go so that the Holy Spirit will come. So notice that it says, if you put that verse back up there for me, they received the Holy Spirit. Now, why am I taking so much time to harp on this? Because if you want the Holy Spirit to fill you up to the point that you experience the things that we're talking about today, all you have to do is receive it. All you have to do is receive it. Like you don't have to, there's no tearing, waiting, all of that other stuff is for, you know, I'm not trying to make fun of it or belittle it, but I mean, you know, I've heard of stories of people that would, would tarry all night. If you know what I mean by tarry, you know, you know what I mean. They would wait all night for the Holy Spirit to come. No, they received, leave it up there for just a minute. They received the Holy Spirit. All you have to do is receive him. All you have to do is open up. What happened? They got saved. Philip came. They got saved. They accepted Jesus. They were baptized in water. Then Peter and John came. They, they, they obviously educated them and then laid their hands on them. And they received the Holy Spirit. The laying on of hands is one way. But you'll see in a minute, it's not the only way. Just a few weeks ago, um, I, I had a point in the service where I said, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, ask God to fill you right now. I didn't lay hands on anybody. I didn't touch anybody. The Holy Spirit fell in this place. And s- several people came and talked to me, but one individual came up and said, man, for the first time ever, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I spoke in other tongues. My life has changed forever. Um, a man, I feel great. Well, what happened? On the inside, he was filled up to overflowing. And so instead of, you know... Um, I mean, I, I, again, I grew up in a church. They didn't teach us on this. And then there are other churches out there that instead of teaching on it, instead of trying to understand it, they belittle it or put it down and, you know, and, and they'll say things like, oh, well, that was just for those days. That was just for that time. But I don't believe that. If, if, listen, listen to me closely. If we didn't need the Holy Spirit, why did God go through all of this effort to send him to us? I mean, the whole book of Acts is basically about this. Why, I mean, why would God go through all that effort? Then just give us salvation and let that be it. But he went through all this effort, the day of Pentecost, all that stuff, so that you would have power endued from on high. So they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw, now I want to point this out, because it doesn't explicitly say here that, that they spoke in other tongues. And so you might say, well, well, then, you know, did they receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit? But Simon saw them, and it says here in the last verse of this, uh, verse 19, I believe. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, give me this power. So verses 18 and 19, yeah, give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay my hands, they may receive the Holy Spirit. And of course, they rebuked him and said, no, that's not how it works. They received, 
Um, I, I took this ec- excerpt from Kenneth Hagin's book. It says, I had been taught that when you are saved, you have the Holy Spirit. That is true. That is true in one sense because the Bible says that in the new birth, we are born of the Spirit of God. John 3, 3 through 8. Right? We have, I taught on that last week. We have the Spirit of God within us. But my denomination taught that when you are born again, you have all the Holy Ghost there is. Well, that can't be true because the Samaritans in Acts chapter 8 were saved and born again by the Spirit of God in verses 12 and 14. I already read that to you. As we will plainly see from the scriptures, which I just read to you, the apostles didn't seem to think that they had all the Holy Ghost there was. Because then they sent Peter and John to them so the Samaritans could receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, salvation and receiving the infilling of the Holy Spirit are two separate experiences. Pretty clear, right? But I told you I'm not going to just give you one story. I'm going to give you three. And then three scriptures to back all this up. Amen? So story number two. Peter and Cornelius' household. So here we see Peter again. This is in Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 11. I'm going to start in Acts chapter 11, then we'll glance back at chapter 10. Fair enough? So if you're in Acts 8, just turn over a couple pages. Let's look at Acts chapter 10. If you don't have your Bible or you're watching online, don't worry. We'll put it up on the screens for you. Now, in Acts chapter 11, Peter is recounting his story to the apostles. And the reason he is is because they were mad. Catch this. They were mad at Peter because he had gone to, to eat with and be with Gentiles. Now, Gentiles were those that weren't Jews, right? So someone who wasn't a Jew. And so there were Jews in Jerusalem, devout Jews, but now they were Messianic Jews, meaning that they believed in the Messiah. They, were, they, were, they believed in Jesus Christ, but they were upset with Peter because he was hanging out with Gentiles. So let's look at uh, chapter 11. And this story goes between chapter 10 and chapter 11, but I'm going to start in chapter 11. And then start in verse 11. So chapter, Acts chapter 11, verse 11. At that very moment, three men stood before the house where I was. Now remember, Peter's telling the story to his friends, to his apostles, to the other apostles. Having been sent me from Caesarea, then the Spirit told me to go with them. So three guys, or some men, yeah, three men stood at his house, and he says, uh, what should I do? The Spirit tells him to go. And the Spirit told him not to doubt anything. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me. So he took six guys with him, six Jews with him. These six brethren accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. Who's the man? Cornelius. And he told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house, who said to him, send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. So, Cornelius is saved because Peter comes and preaches the word to him. We'll see that in chapter 10 in a second. This is a summarization of Peter telling the story. Notice what Peter says as he explains to the apostles what happened. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. What is is Peter talking about? At the beginning was in Acts chapter 2. When the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost, they, they, they received the Holy Spirit and spoke in other tongues. So Peter says, I began to speak. The Holy Spirit fell on them as upon us at the beginning. Then I remembered the word of the Lord. How Jesus had said, John indeed baptizes with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. 
If, therefore, God gave them the same gift, everybody say, same gift. If God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, see, notice, they believed on the Lord Jesus, then received the same gift. So he's saying, if, therefore, God gave them the same gift, who am I, or who was I, that I could withstand God? Now, when he said that phrase, the same as upon us, at the beginning. That's how he described it to his fellow brethren and fellow apostles. Let's look in chapter 10 where the story actually unfolds. It takes the whole chapter, so that's why I'm not reading you the whole thing. But let's look at one piece of it. In verse 44, Acts chapter 10, verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision, now, who's that? That's the Jews. Okay, those of the circumcision is talking about the Jews. Those who believed, they were astonished. Why were they astonished? Because as many as came with Peter, talking about them, the the circumcised, the Jews, they were astonished because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. How did they know that? Look at this, look at this. Look at the next verse, verse 46. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And then it went on to talk about how Peter answered them and responded and what he taught them about what had happened. Tongues was the initial sign or evidence. It was the evidence for them. They knew they had been filled because, wait a second, the same thing that happened to us happened to them. Do y'all see it? Now see, that, that's how, this is why I'm trying to tell y'all, we, we can't be, we can't let other people teach us against this because it's in the Bible, and we can't be afraid of it or ashamed of it because it's in the Bible, and because if God wanted it not only for the people who were in the upper room and the people in Acts chapter 2, but also for the Samaritans, and also for Cornelius' household, and also, as we'll see for in a minute, the Ephesians, the Corinthians, if he wanted it for them, I believe he wants it for you. So we can't be afraid or ashamed or, or, or worried about this. Or, or like, oh, well, you know, um, you know what? I just, that's just not for me. I just don't think that's for today. No. No, no, it's, it's in the Bible. Story number two, I'm going to give you three, remember? Uh, actually, before I get to story three, I want you to notice a few keys about this. No one laid hands on them. First story I gave you, they laid hands on them. So we know that's one way that you can receive the Holy Spirit or the the infilling of the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit. But here, no one laid hands on them. They all received the Holy Spirit at the same time. There's no indication that anyone was left out. Now, some of them got filled and some didn't. Because that's another thing you'll hear in churches. Uh, there's, there's churches probably in this city that'll teach that. Oh, well, you know, it's for some and not for others. But, but Peter, when he preached on the day of Pentecost, he said, the promise of the Father that you see here that was prophesied by the prophet Joel, Joel the one you see here, the, the, what you're seeing and hearing is what was prophesied. And this promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. So it's not just for a select few. I, 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 when the Bible says all, A-L-L, I take, the, you know what? I take the Bible at its word. Miss Stephanie, I take the Bible at its word. I just say, if it says it, I believe it, and that settles it. 
Amen? Speaking in tongues is what fully convinced Peter's company, the six guys he took with him. The Jewish believers who accompanied Peter were convinced that this was uh, um, an act of God and this was, um, this, was, this was so pivotal because you and I, are, unless you're a Jew in this room, I don't know, you might be, but you're, if you're, then that means you're a Gentile. And it was forbidden at the time. You know, that's why they were mad at him. Why did you go? And if you read the whole story, you'll see that the Lord uh, gave him a dream, gave him a vision. He had all this happen to him, and the Lord was telling him, I need you to not just hold what I've given you for you, it's also for the Gentiles. And as soon as he has that vision, these men show up at his house, and then he goes, the Lord moves, and the confirmation that salvation, the filling of the Holy Spirit, everything that had happened to the Jews, the confirmation was, the visualization was, hey, they had the same experience as we did. They spoke with other tongues. Then I know they got filled with the Holy Spirit because that's what happened to us. Pretty cool. The Jewish believers were astonished that the Holy Ghost was poured out on the Gentiles. That's story number two. Here's story number three. Story number three has Acts chapter 19. There's more than this, by the way. There's more than three stories, but I just thought it'd be cool to do three stories and three, three verses. Amen. Acts chapter 19. We're going to start right at the beginning of Acts chapter 19 for our third story. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, he came to Ephesus. So later, when you read the book of Ephesians, this is talking about, or he's writing a letter to the people that he ministered to in this chapter. Does that make sense? So he ministered to them here. This is the start of their church at Ephesus, and later he wrote to them. He's passed through, he comes to Ephesus, and he found some disciples, and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Notice, when you believed. He found who? Disciples. Other translations might say it differently. They might say fellow brethren, or found brothers in Christ, or found brothers. Anytime you read brothers or brethren, it's talking to the church. People who who identified as we're part of the body, we're part of, of Christ's body, you and I are brothers and sisters in Christ. And he said he found disciples there. And so he asked them, hey, guys, um, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they were like, uh, they said to him, we have not so much as even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And so uh, Paul said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said we were baptized into John's baptism. Now, what they're saying here is that they were obviously followers of John the Baptist. What did he do? He baptized people into repentance. What that means is, is that when he baptized people in water, remember Jesus got baptized. When he did that, it was a baptism as a dedication to God, and I'm repenting of my sins, and I want to be washed clean. Jesus took that baptism to another level because he said, now that you're baptized in the name of Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, so if you're you're baptized in the name of Jesus, what happens is it's not just repentance, but it's also representation of the new birth. So you go down, you're cleansed, but you come up, washed clean as a new creature. The same as what Jesus did, what Jesus did in us. Do you understand? There's two different baptisms. And so he says, wait a second here, guys. They said John baptism, John's baptism, and Paul says, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people they should believe on God, who, uh, who or should believe on Jesus who would come after him, that is, Christ Jesus. When they heard this, when the Ephesians, when they heard this, 
They were baptized in the name of Jesus. And when Paul had laid their hand, his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. I told you all that at the beginning. Spirit within, spirit upon. What happened? The Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. How did they know? How did Paul know? How did Paul know they were filled with the Holy Spirit? They spoke with tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men there in all. Why is this so important? Why am I going through all this? Why am I teaching you all this today? Because if it was good enough for them, it's good enough for us today. If it helped them today, it'll help us today. If it helped them be better Christians back then, it'll help us today. If you go through and you read every book after, not every book, but except for the book of Revelation, the books in between are called epistles. So you leave Acts and you go through all of these letters. That's what epistles mean, letters. Everybody say letters. They were letters written to the churches or written by apostles. And those letters tell us how to live as believers. I'd like to go through and count it. I, don't, I haven't found anybody who's counted it. But I can't begin to fathom how many times in all of those letters it references living by the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, letting the Holy Spirit do a work in you. I mean, so what happened in the book of Acts? Story after story of the of the belief of, of, of people accepting Jesus Christ, believing in him, their their received salvation, then being filled with the Holy Spirit, spoken other tongues, and then what happened? They got educated on how, man, listen. This will help you live a better life. The Holy Spirit will come in and he'll help you. He'll live in you. He'll, he'll, he'll provide things for you that you can't provide for yourself. He'll guide you and direct you. Paul spent a whole chapter in, first, in, in, or in Corinthians instructing them on, on, the, on, on speaking in tongues and what that's all about. Why? Because they were, they were doing it. And, and, and I, I just, I, I'm not, I'm not going to be, we're not going to be a church. Family Worship Center will not be a church. I mean, listen, we, this could be all we teach on. It won't be that because there's other things. There's other things in the Bible. But this also will not be a topic that we just put in a side closet and just leave it there and just, no, this is something we should teach on. Something we should understand. Something that will help us. All right, so I told you I'd give you three stories. I've done that. But I also have three unique verses that'll help you with this today. And we're going to wrap up in six minutes. Amen. Verse number one. Ephesians chapter one. Verse 13, Ephesians chapter one, verse 13. Now here we see we're starting to get into those letters. This was, I told you, Paul went to Ephesus and now he's writing to them. How cool is this? He says, in him, in Jesus, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Everybody say salvation. The gospel of your salvation in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Notice what happened. Heard. What did they hear? The gospel. What did they do in verse, uh, the, the, the third thing here? What did they do? They believed it. Then they were sealed with the promise, which causes the trust that he started with. In whom you trusted. Why? Because you got saved. You believed on the word of God. The salvation then got sealed with the Holy Spirit. And we just read that in the book of Acts, chapter 19. And he says here, the sealing of the Holy Spirit. Well, in verse 14, sorry. The sealing of the Holy Spirit 
will guarantee your inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. What does that mean? What God provided for you. Listen, look at this. The guarantee of your, what's your inheritance? Salvation, provision, the blessings of Abraham. That's what you inherited. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you inherited, you're not just, listen, your life on earth is not supposed to be some mamby-pamby, you just get beat up all the time and live a terrible life. No, you're supposed to live a good life, a blessed life. John 10.10, as I already quoted, says I came to give you life and life more abundantly. I want y'all to say this bold and proud and loud. Say, I will have an abundant life by Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. As I begin to talk about this, I feel encouraged and, and, and invigorated on the inside. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has revealed these things to me. And when I see a challenge in my life, I don't go, oh, well, I guess this is just what is meant to be. And I'm just going to, this season that I'm living in, I'm just going to be down in the valley for an unknown amount of time. And if the Lord sees fit, he'll raise me up. No, he did see fit. He saw fit 2,000 years ago to give you the Holy Spirit to help you. Who in times of being down, he'll pick you up. He'll encourage you. He'll say, no, you just get up. Get up, baby. Get up. You just keep going. I'm with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You've got a calling. You've got a job to do. You've got things to do. You've You've got a life ahead of you. You've got a bright future. Jeremiah 20, 11 says, 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, plans to give you a hope, plans to give you a future. I've got a bright future. I'm going places. I don't have time to be defeated. I don't have time to be down. I don't have to, I, listen, I know that life will come at me. I know that the devil will try to knock me down. I know it's coming, but I've got an inheritance that was sealed by the Holy Spirit. And I'm not going to live down in the valley. If I fall down in the valley or the devil knocks me down in the valley, what does the Bible say? You shall go through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm not staying in it. I'm coming out. When you go through a valley, you know what happens? The mountains come together and the valley turns into a rising and I go up. I was supposed to be teaching, Brother Mike. I was supposed to be teaching. Verse number two, Mark chapter two, verse 19. This is Jesus talking. Mark chapter two, verse 19. And Jesus said to them, can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. And then they will fast in those days. Jesus was giving them an explanation of, hey, actually people were challenging him. Hey, why aren't your disciples fasting? And he's saying, well, I'm with them. But in a few days, I'm not going to be with them. And when I'm not with them, notice what Jesus says will happen. Not only will they fast, but listen to his explanation here. He says, no one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, or else the new piece pulls away from the old and the tear is made worse. What he's telling them is, is that when I do what I'm about to do, die on the cross, and God, my Father, raises me from the dead, when that happens... Everybody that believes on me will be made new. They're not going to be an old piece of clothing. They're going to be a new piece of clothing. Then he gives another example. I love this. Verse 22. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. 
or else the new wine will burst the wineskin. The wine is spilled and the wineskin is ruined. But new wine, notice this, new wine must be put into new wineskins. Now, Pastor JT, I'm a well-educated person. Um, this is, this, nowhere in here is this reference to the Holy Spirit or baptism of the Holy Spirit or anything. But read a little bit deeper. What's a wineskin? A wineskin is an ancient type of bottle made of leathered animal skin, usually from goats or sheep. They used it to store or transport wine. Wine, water, were types of the Holy Spirit, meaning when, when, when they would reference that, they were talking about, when they would say, when Jesus said that out of your belly will flow rivers of living water, the Bible actually explains he was talking about the Holy Spirit that would come. Here he's talking about wine. He says, now, if you put new wine, the Holy Spirit, new wine, in old wineskins, it doesn't work. I've got to go. Do y'all see it? I'm trying to put it all together for you. I've got to go. I've got to leave here because when I do, listen, when I do, they're going to be made new. You're going to be new skin, new, new piece of garment, not an old piece of garment. When, when I leave, they're going to fast and do everything else. When I leave, I'm going to raise from the dead. When I leave and all that happens, the Holy Spirit will come. And when that new wine comes, you can't put it in old wineskins. You've got to be new. What does the Bible tell us in the New Testament? Behold, all things have become new. Old things have passed away. All things are made new. What's made new? The inside. You're the same on the outside. But the outside of the wineskin isn't, isn't what matters. It's the inside. Because when, the, when new wine goes in, it ferments, it grows, and does everything that it does. And when it does, it expands. And when it does, it will... see. The Holy Spirit isn't made to just come in you and then just stay stagnant and stay just a little bit. No, it's supposed to grow. It's supposed to be filled up. It's supposed to expand. And if you're an old wineskin, you're already done expanding or you can expand. So that's why you have to be saved first. Well, what's the qualification for receiving the Holy Spirit? Be a new wineskin. Accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That's it. And just as you saw from the three stories that I mentioned and others that you could read, they, you, you, can be, you can ask the Holy Spirit to fill you up and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Will I speak in tongues? I, I hope so, because that's the evidence that you're filled. Well, what, well, well that's, 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 that's kind of weird. It's just gibberish and I don't understand it. But Paul taught us that you're not to understand it. When you pray in tongues, your mind is unfruitful, but your spirit is doing the praying. So don't get so caught up in, oh, I don't understand. Literally, Paul said you're not going to understand it. And Paul, who would be a bonus story, when he got filled with the Holy Spirit by Ananias laying his hands on him, Paul wrote the churches and said, listen, I pray in tongues more than all of you. So Paul, the man who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, that's right, that's right. Your tongues is something, he said, I pray in tongues more than all of you. So what am I telling you? This was not just for them. It's to not cease with them. And this is not for, let me give you the third one. This will make more sense. You, um, you can come on up, brother. John chapter 14, third verse. John chapter 14, verses 15 through 18. If you love me, Jesus is talking. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father. And he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Because, who, who can't receive? 
the world can't receive. The world cannot receive him because it neither sees him nor knows him. The world cannot receive who? The Holy Spirit. Now, John 3, 16, that I read to you earlier, who was, the, who was Jesus given for? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever calls on him will be saved. Whoever believes in him will be saved. Romans 8, or excuse me, Romans, what does it teach us? Romans road to salvation, what does it teach us? Believe, confess, you'll be saved. Then Romans 8, which I was about to reference, what does it say? Our spirit bears witness with his spirit that we're children of God. When you're a child of God, you qualify, notice, because the world neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. With you, but he's going to be in you. He's going to come upon you. He's going to fill you up. I'm going to give you a bonus one. I told you if I had time, I'll give you a bonus one. This is, this is great. Luke chapter 11, verses 9 through 13. Luke chapter 11, verses 9 through 13. So I say to you, <laughs> thank you, Lord. So I say to you, ask. Ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it'll be open to you. For everyone. See, it's not limited to some. It's not, it's not, all, the only requirement, the only thing is that you're made new. And that's as simple as saying a prayer. He who seeks, for everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, finds, and to him who knocks it will be open. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will you give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will you give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will you offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? If you're a child of God, you qualify. My kids, they don't have to ask me for permission to go in my refrigerator. They don't have to ask me permission to do anything in our house. Now, I mean, some things, of course, we've limited for their safety or whatever, but you understand what I'm saying. What's ours is theirs. They're, they're my children. They're my children. All, all, all the money we have to buy food, it's theirs. It's theirs. I'm not going to withhold. I'm not going to withhold uh, 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 you know, like I said, I'm not going to just, oh, well, you, you want some crackers? Okay, well, here's some poison. Here's something that'll hurt you. And that's what people have made it out to seem like, oh, no, well, now if you ask for God for the Holy Spirit, you know, that, that's incorrect. No, it says to ask. Oh, well, I know some people that sought the Holy Spirit and they got messed up into weird stuff. Well, then they got, they got circumvented into something else that wasn't of God. Because the Bible says that if you ask God for the Holy Spirit, he's not going to give you something wrong. So I hope that I'm helping you today. Not I've tried to do, uh, the only stories I've told you help reinforce the scripture I've read you. And everything I've read you today is Bible. We put everything on the screens. Hopefully you had a Bible in your lap today or in your hands or online with you and you read through and saw this with me today. There's salvation and then there's baptism with the Holy Spirit. It's for you. It's for today. Now here's what I want to do. I want everybody to stand on your feet and we're going to do two things. We're going to do what we said. Number one, I'm going to give you an opportunity for salvation. Then I'm going to give you an opportunity to be filled with the Holy Spirit right here today. 